Good morning. It is good to see you all here today, and we want to welcome you. Those of you who are online with us this morning as well or listening, uh, and we thank you for each one, and uh, we're looking forward to just a great day. We have a great program this morning with our kids, and uh, our WLC kids have been working on uh, some songs. They're going to have a song for us this morning and just kind of a whole program or a, a, a short program for us this morning. But before we begin, let's say a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to celebrate your birth, to celebrate your salvation come, God, with us. And today, we just thank you for our kids. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing in them and through them here at Woodland Life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and welcome our kids right now. Come on in. After listening to the king, the three wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where there was the child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then openly their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The Star of Bethlehem what a mysterious and awestruck wonder this was in leading the wise men and shepherds to the baby who was wrapped in a soft cloth, lying in a manger on that late night. A star that could be seen for miles and miles around, announcing the birth of this sweet baby boy. And not just any baby boy, but a king, our king, so sweet and so special that only a few were chosen to witness in this majestic occasion that would change everyone's life forever, from then to now to forever to come. Until one day Jesus, the actual heart of Bethlehem, will someday return. And until this amazing day comes, we can choose to have Jesus living in our hearts, where he has given us the gifts of peace, joy, grace, hope, love, and so much more. Watch and listen as our beautiful WLC kids share the heart of Bethlehem with you today.
<laughs> you need to do that. <laughs> we made it through the song.
Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Merry Christmas to you. My favorite time of the year. We're going to go ahead and show a video real quick for our announcements, and then we're going to go into worship with you. Good morning, church family. Just wanted to give you guys a rundown on your options for giving on the church website. Once you get to wlcchurch.com, you'll just click that Give link in the top menu bar. From there, you will click the big blue Give Now button. And from there, you'll be able to put in the amount and also choose which account it'll go into. From there, you'll be able to give it as a one-time offering or choose to give regularly. We thank you guys. We appreciate your giving to help this church thrive. All right, let's all stand together and we'll begin to worship Jesus this morning. Because 
Awesome. You know, that song was written in 1744. That's when, long time ago, really long time ago, and how pertinent those words are to us today. It's so neat to see how we're still waiting for our king to come back to get his church. And I love that. It's just so neat to see how time doesn't matter to him because we're on his schedule. I just love that. Let's continue to worship him.
say a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, again, we just thank you, God, for this time together today. I thank you for our kids. I thank you, Lord, for the joy of this season. And I thank you, God, that we are here together to participate in your continued plan and great purposes for us. I pray today that as we open your word, that as we study what you have uh, brought to us, Lord, and, and how this is such a life-changing time of the year, I pray, God, that you will just be revealed to us in ways that we never even maybe expected. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go ahead and we can uh, dismiss the kids to Children's Church now. You can go on with Miss McKenzie. Well, good morning. Man, it's good to have the kids. They look great. <laughs> well, I want to tell you today that uh, as we are embarking on this season together, as we are thinking of what God uh, has planned for our families and maybe even the plans that we have personally as we are moving forward this time together, I want you to know that God is interested in the big events that are going to happen during the season. And maybe for many of us, maybe our plans have been scaled down to much smaller events. But God is interested in the small things as well. As a matter of fact, God does great things and does oftentimes use the smallest things uh, to bring about such great plans. I, I don't know about where you're at today or maybe where you are sensing God moving right now, but I, I want to tell you that sometimes I have felt, maybe you felt the same way during this time, that it, life can be just seemingly a succession of living in the in-betweens of life. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've heard that one statement one time where it was said, you know, if you ever want to make God laugh, Tell him your plans. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> yes, we all have. And, and at times when we are going through life and we're seeing things happen, and we do, we make plans, but life is what happens in the midst of making plans. And, in, and we may feel like that we are in the in-betweens, the in-betweens of starting school and graduating the in-between jobs and in-between the first dates and the wedding dates and in-between your silver anniversary and your diamond anniversary, in-between buying a home and actually making it your home, in-between setting a goal and seeing it become reality, in-between of the start of a pandemic and the end of it, in-between brokenness and wholeness, in-between hurt and forgiveness. And today I want you to know that regardless of who you are, even where you find yourself in the in-betweens of life right now, that God has a plan for you. And here's the great news is that God is in the business of transforming our in-between moments in life. God stands in the gap between what is and what is to be. And in a sense, we are all living in the in-between of what God has done and his future glory when we will see him face to face. But until that day, we will grow older, uh, hopefully with a bit more wisdom to go along with a few more wrinkles. <laughs> There's a little girl who was sitting on her grandfather's lap, and 
she was looking at his face. And, and as she was looking at his face, she took her hand and she began to feel his face. And, and as she's feeling his face, she was pushing kind of up into the wrinkles and crevices of his face. <laughs> and as she was contemplating, as she was touching his, and then she would touch her own face and feel how smooth it was, she was thinking about the differences between hers and his. And she said, Grandpa, did God make you? And he laughed and he said, yes, honey, God made me a long, long time ago. She said, well, did God make me? And he said, yes, God made you just a, a little while ago. And she thought about it and said, man, Grandpa, God's getting better, isn't he? <laughs> Of course, we know that God can't get any better. We understand that God himself, after all, defines perfection. And however that is the case, the more that we do get to know God in the in-betweens of life, the more that we understand God in the in-betweens of life, the better he becomes to us as his glory is revealed to us. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and if I could have you help me with that, with uh, it says, for now we see only a, reflect, as a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. It's good to know that we are fully known. It's good to know that we have a Heavenly Father that is concerned not only about the big events, but also about the in-betweens in our life. It's good to know that we're completely loved and whatever in between we may find ourselves in right now, God still has a plan in it. In this time of history when Jesus came, Bethlehem found itself in an in-between time. And as a matter of fact, if you want to talk about the heart of Bethlehem, I would say that it would, that the heart and, and, the, and the, the, the voice of their heart would say, you know, we just feel like we're in between what was and what is, and we're not sure what we are supposed to do right now. In the midst of all that they were going through, they had not heard the voice of God or seen him move in so many ways like they had heard that he had before. And yet they knew that the Messiah was coming and they were living in that in-between period. We find ourselves in that place today. And here's the thing is that without the hope of Christ, without the hope of a Savior, of a Messiah, I tell you that even the in-betweens of this life are going to be tough and hard on us. I was given a prayer request this past Sunday and I've been praying for this individual's family, but this person, they took their life because their depression over COVID and the in-betweens and the uncertainties of the in-betweens that we find ourselves in today. Now, she, there's a husband there that's, that, that has lost his wife, and there's family that's grieving, and, and, and we find ourselves in those in-betweens. Headline, came across the news this past week that said that suicide has claimed more Japanese lives in October than 10 months of COVID. Over 17,000 people killed themselves in Japan in October. Many are citing the stress of these days and feeling uncertain and, and, and all the uncertainty that's been brought on by the virus and, and the anxiety of living in this in-between of this pandemic as the reason. 
But I want you to know, here and in Christ, we have good news. Because God is in the business of transforming our in-betweens. He is in the business of transforming these days. And that's the Christmas story for us. It's how it begins in Matthew chapter 1. Israel, again, was on the in-betweens of their life. They were between exile and a coming Messiah. They were in between a word from God and God with us. They were in between hopelessness and their salvation. Yet God's provision is found in the hearts of generations who anticipated, who believed, and persevered in the in-betweens of life. And today we're going to look at the very beginning of the biblical Christmas story. This story that comes from Matthew chapter 1. Sometimes uh, there have been those who have tried to duplicate it. They've, it's interesting that all great stories begin and, and, and find their root, really, in this biblical story. The story that tells us of a prince of peace who comes to save his bride. It's the original, the genuine story of all stories. And it begins kind of in this way that we hear stories that have been duplicated afterwards with a once upon a time moment. If you look in Matthew chapter 1 and begin at verse 1 with me, it begins like this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I could almost just kind of put inside of this in brackets, once upon a time, a man named Abraham was found to be the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram, and Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, and whose mother was Rahab, and, and Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa, and Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh was the father of Amon, and Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor, and Azor was the father of Zadok. And Zadok was the father of Achim, and Achim was the father of Elihud. And Elihud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. And Mathan was the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from the David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, I don't know why we don't, don't just gather around the tree and read that every year, right? <laughs> I know you're probably thinking, what in the world is he doing talking about all of these genealogies? But I'm going to tell you there's a richness in this portion of Scripture that we don't want to miss. And, and I don't want to miss it this Christmas season. Because you see, in between every one of those, when this person begat this person, this person begat that person, in between all of that, God was at work with a great transforming plan, and it ended with the Messiah coming to us. It may seem boring, it may seem trite, it may seem like, why do we need to know all these names? I want to tell you one of the reasons is this, is when they have your name and then your son or your daughter's name or your grandkid's name, I want to read between the margins, in the in-betweens, that God was doing something in your lives. Here's the amazing thing, it all starts with Abraham. And here, Matthew presents us with the beginning and, and the end, so to speak, uh, which ended there with the Messiah. And, and while many of us have a really good grasp on the end that is found in Jesus, we may not have so much of a thought to the beginning, and really not given much thought, I should say, to the beginning and the in-betweens. There's something so significant that we need to be aware of at the beginning of this. In Matthew chapter 1. Because it adds to the depth and to the beauty that we find in Jesus. And first, let me point out to you that this uh, family tree, just like yours, is a really a mixed bag of people. <laughs> and you're probably thinking right now of an uncle or someone else. They might be thinking of you. I don't know. But, you know, it was this mixed bag. And when we sit around the Christmas tree and and read the Christmas story, yes, we do not often begin at the very beginning of the story because it doesn't have the same meaning often for you and me that it would for the first readers of this passage. But for the ones who first read this passage, and I wanted to remind you that Matthew, who wrote this gospel under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he wrote this, he was writing it to kind of just capture the imagination and the understanding of the Jewish people. And when they would have read this for the very first time, I'm going to tell you that they would have been going through this genealogy, genealogy and they would have been thinking of how humbling and how amazing and how eye-opening it would be for our God to be able to use this group of people to do great things for him. But here's the thing that I want you to understand right off the bat, that God can use anyone who has submitted and yielded to him. Here in this, in this genealogy, four women are mentioned. One is a prostitute, Bathsheba, who's referred to, interestingly, as Uriah's wife, was an adulterer, and, and the fact that a woman was mentioned at all in this extremely patriarchal culture was a very humbling and amazing thing for the first century Jewish reader in and of itself. Beyond the prostitute and murderer, there's Gentiles that are represented as well. And, and you may ask, why do I highlight these things? Because, again, it reminds us that God stands in the gap between wherever our hopelessness is, our brokenness is, and his perfect plan for us. God stands between what is and what is to come. God enters into our broken situation, into our in-betweens, and God brings 
But it starts with this guy named Abraham. And you may have sung a song, maybe uh, Father Abraham has many sons, and you are one of them. <laughs> and for those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are genealogy because we've been grafted in. goes all the way back to Abraham as well. And what you may not realize is that Abraham's story points to how God will once again stand in the gap for us and become our salvation. Most of us remember Abraham as the man who God chose to bring forth the nation of, of Israel because of his faith. Uh, but there is a piece of his story that's not as widely taught, but it reveals the astounding links God will go to for people who love him. Many of you have heard about how in Genesis 15, how God came to Abraham, to this, uh, famously came to this 100-year-old childless man and told him that you need to look up into the sky, into the night sky. And he said, you see all those stars that are up there in the night sky? Your descendants are going to be more plentiful than those stars that you see above you. And Abraham, despite being 100 years old and being married to a barren 90-year-old woman, uh, he believed him. It was amazing. God then went on to tell him that he's going to give him a piece of land where he had never, ever been. It's a dwelling place for his descendants, all of these descendants that are going to be greater and strong and more, more uh, than the stars in the sky. And notice here that Abraham believed if you, when you look at that portion of Scripture. He believed God's promise for him to have a child. Yet here was the funny thing, was that he began to question God when he was like, okay, but how are we going to get this promised land that you're telling me about? And one might read Abraham's question at a first glance, maybe assume that God would be frustrated. But God's response to Abraham is breathtaking. He instructs Abraham to prepare a ceremony that's common for the people at that time. It's kind of a primitive understanding of, of a covenant, but, but he instructs him you know, to, to do this, this thing, and, and it's a, a legal agreement of that day. And what they would do is they would take their some animals and they would, they would you know, slaughter them and they would cut their carcasses in half. And as they cut the carcasses in half, they'd, they'd put one side of the carcass on one side here, and they put the other side over here, and then they'd do the same with the next animal and the next animal after that. And there was a gap between those carcasses, and it kind of produced this aisle. And the purpose of what was being done there was for the person making the oath, after he was done with his sacrifice and, and putting those animal carcasses in a row and making this aisle, the purpose was for that purpose person to walk in between those carcasses. And it would symbolize this, that if they were to break their pledge to the other person, they would become like one of the animals that had been cut in half. And, and when I first read this, I thought, oh, well, that's interesting because they're doing this and God is actually preparing Abraham. And Abraham is, you know, there and he's, he's, he's doing this, preparing this, this, this ceremony. And, and I'm thinking, okay, well, now Abraham is going to walk through those animal carcasses. And it's going to be this official way for him to demonstrate his full blind faith in God. And in, even in the in-betweens of life. But to my great surprise, the very opposite was true. You see, there in Genesis 15, we actually learned that in the east, 
evening, once actually Abraham had fallen asleep, God comes down in the form of a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. And he alone passes through that aisle that was made between the carcasses. God was making the covenant with Abraham. God was making a promise. God was standing in the gap of what is and what was going to be. And God was standing in the gap between the promise and the provision. And the provision, by the way, what we mean by that is the action of providing or supplying. All of this as Abraham slept. I mean, it was as if God was assuring Abraham, you take a rest. All of this is on my shoulders. The promise is mine. The promise is mine to keep, and the promise is mine to move forward with. It has nothing to do with your efforts, Abraham. And as I think about that, not, think not only did God use this as a way to address Abraham's worry or doubt, God himself puts his own skin in the game. I mean, here's God who walking between, making this oath with Abraham. And I believe in my heart of hearts that as he was putting his skin in the game, so to speak, that he was also realizing that he would one day, through this first practice, down through generations, he was looking through generation and generation and generation, and he would see not only is he putting his skin in the game right now, but he would become flesh amongst us, dwell with us one day, and one day in our midst... He would make the ultimate sacrifice. To remind us once again, you know what? It has nothing to do with what you're going to do here. All you need to do is trust in me. It's as though God was saying if he were not to follow through on this promise to Abraham, his salvation plan would cease to exist. And the reality of God's promise is so incredible, and it sometimes may seem hard to believe, but amazingly, this is the incredible nature of our God. So despite the uncertainty that you and I are living in, in the in-betweens, remember, the hope found in faith is not based in who we are, it's based in who God is. You see, when God stood in the gap between those carcasses, he was not just standing in the gap for Abraham. In that moment, God was seeing those generations that led to Jesus himself. God was standing in the gap between the promise of Messiah and the provision. Just as Abraham recognized God's faithful nature and received God's oath to lead him to the promised land, we have the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who died to save us from sin, to give us real life, to give us a real relationship. And when we have Jesus as our Savior, the in-betweens are no longer something just to be endured. They're the moments where we expect God to show up in ways we never dreamed of. You see, in this in-between time for Abraham, God initiated that line that would lead to the Messiah. God with us. The Word made flesh, our Savior. 
And this was God's ultimate plan for humanity. It began with his dealings with Abraham, and then it was fulfilled through his genealogical line. And today, on the other end of that genealogy, Jesus stands once again in the gap. Bridging the distance of what you have been and what God has planned for you to be. 1 Timothy 2.5, it tells us that for there is one God and there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus, man Christ Jesus. And Jesus today even is standing in the gap, bridging the distance of what you have been and what God has planned for you to be. Choosing Jesus not only transforms our in-betweens, it, it transforms the generations that will follow you. And Abraham's legacy of choosing God, it flowed all the way down that broken road that led straight to Jesus, who became the final sacrifice, bridging the gap between us and God. Galatians 3.29, it reminds us that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Therefore, as Christians, we know that we too inherit God's promises. And, and one of these is found in Deuteronomy 31.8, where God reassures you and I and his people through all generations that the Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. See, just as he did thousands of years ago, at the beginning of the line of David, God is still in the business of transforming our in-betweens. Even in the midst of days where many churches have had to suspend their churches and, and where we have been tempted to think that we have been sidelined, I want you to know that God is still in the business of transforming our in-betweens. I asked Lori and Aaron to, to prepare, but I, I, I had a interesting thing that happened just about three weeks ago and an individual came up and after our our service he came to me and he said I, I know we're kind of in between you know what normal used to be and then we have all of this stuff happening now with the virus he said but I'm sensing that God is wanting to do something in my life right now. And I said, well, what is, what is that? He said, I'm sensing that God wants me to be baptized right now. Do we need to wait or what do we need to do? And, and uh, isn't it amazing that God is still in the business of transforming our lives in the in-betweens of what is happening right now? And so I told Aaron who came to me about this a few weeks ago. I said, well, you know, I said, I, how would you like to do this? And he said, I just as soon as possible with my schedule and all. And so here we are, and we are going to see Aaron Franks baptized. And I think what a great way to just uh, to, to have this in the midst of our Advent season, this Advent day of hope. I think what a great reminder that God is still in the transforming business with you and with me right now, today. You'd watch this video with me and we'll prepare. Well, for me, it was more of a memory and it was, 
it, it kind of etched in stone as it was for me because whenever I was first talking with my dad about this kind of stuff, he was talking to me about how the Lord is my savior and about how I was meant to be uh, saved and I was meant to love him and, and just be cherished by him and everything. And, and he was talking to me about all that kind of stuff. And I was just sitting there in awe at everything that was going on. I was sitting there with my mouth open, just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I never thought that I would have such amazing, amazing people that would love me. It just makes me amazed that I have somebody that after death, I can go and live with him and be happy with him. So, so Jesus was that, that love that yes. you were impressed with. Right? Yes, exactly. And you felt that, you recognized that, and you accepted him in your heart at that point. How old yeah. were you? I was around nine years old. Nine years old. What does baptism mean to you? To me, it means uh, making a better understanding of where I'm going to go next. Not not a way out, not like a cure-all, like any, anything that I would think it would be, but like, it's more of a way to profess your love to Jesus and to God, and, and more of a way to tell everybody and tell him and tell Jesus how much you really want to be better and, and uh, love him and, and just have him, uh, under, have him make a better understanding of where you're at. Um, just to be sure that everybody knows where you stand in your love for him. Well, Aaron Franks is here with us today to just uh, be baptized and to just proclaim in the midst of this time, in the midst of this point in his life, and to every person here that he knows the Lord is his Savior and is still transforming and still on, at work within him and through him, and, uh, and he is committing everything to him and re revealing this to you today. And so I want to ask you, Aaron, uh, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this day? All right, let's go ahead. Aaron Franks, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is still in the business of transforming our in-betweens. I don't care where you are or what you find yourself in the midst of or how dark the situation may be. I want you to know that God specializes in those moments to do things that you never would have expected. And so today is we are in the midst of what some have said, ah, oh, times where we need to just hit the pause button or say, maybe we just aren't going to be able to do what we ever have done before. Maybe things are never going to be the same. I hope they're not the same in this one sense, and that is this, that we have an urgency to teach people and share with people the power of Jesus Christ to transform their life, to make disciples and to baptize them in his name. And so today, I just want to challenge you just to believe that there is still hope in the midst of any dark situation. Believe there is a God 
who is intimately interested in you. There's a God who wants to change the in-betweens of your life and trust him because he has a great plan for you this day.
thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for the hope that we find in you. We thank you, God, that you are in the midst of just revealing still your great and perfect plan. We thank you that you are the one who stands between the promises and the provision for us. And Lord, today we just place our full trust in you and we thank you once again for all that you have done, all that you are going to do, and that you are the God of our in-betweens. We pray these things in Jesus' name and together we say, amen, amen. It's been good to see you all here today. Thank you for being with us. May God bless you this week. You are dismissed.